today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, welcome to another episode of Digging for the Truth. I have back with me my friend and fellow evangelist, Trent Morgan. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, great to be back. Thanks for having me again. Hey, listen, you know, we had a lot of fun on the last one. I think that we could have kept going. I felt like we kind of had to cut it short, but it was still a long podcast. That's the thing is when you start talking about uh, the things that are on your heart and the things of the kingdom of heaven, it's easy to get rolling. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I'm fired up for today. Revival. Well, it is absolutely. We're going to be talking about revival. And one of the things that we're going to start with, actually, so we, this, the, this podcast is actually titled, you know, uh, episode 22, The Apostasy. But then, and the revival of the church, and, and I think that's a really important thing. Um, we're living in a time, I think, now more than ever, uh, where people are falling away from the church. And that, in the scripture, it talks about this in 1 Timothy uh, 4, beginning verses 1 through 5. It's the apostasy. And, and we're going to go through that. We're going to break down the scripture, and I'll bring it up on screen here in, here in a minute. Um, but I thought that it's important. I mean, before we even get into it, brother, talking about the apostasy, you think we're seeing it? I, if you, if this isn't the apostasy, I don't know what would be. I mean, you, I just know in my own personal life, we live in the Bible belt. So you're seeing it in your own local community when you're just having casual conversations about how many people outright will say they don't serve the Lord. Oh, I know. It's absolutely, well, and, and I just say they won't serve the Lord, but get offended by anything of the Lord, you know, and that's a demonic, that's a demonic response, um, a very hedonistic, transhumanist, uh, humanist response to, you know, anything that we say is sin. So when you and I are growing up, we graduated from high school in the early 90s and uh, early mid 90s. I think I'm a little older than you. So, but, in, in, but think about when we uh, were kids. Uh, we were both ornery. There's no <laughs> kind of still are sometimes. Oh, right? Absolutely, <laughs> it comes with the name. <laughs> I haven't looked it up, but I, I don't think it's all. I don't think it has Saint and Halo around our name. But uh, anyway, but we were both pretty ornery. But even in the the worst of it, when we were probably the most immoral we ever were, we still agreed that there is good, and that good comes from God. Oh, absolutely. I mean. But we were raised in an area where you were taught right and wrong, and it was reinforced in school. It was reinforced by your friends, their parents. Oh, yeah. It was the whole community that that honestly understood right and wrong was based on God and the Bible. Well, you know, that's kind of, you know, maybe a good place to even start. So there's all kinds of statistics that have come out recently. In fact, I was going to put some on the screen, but I didn't get them up there in time. I'm going to read some of these, though. And it's just there. These are kind of disconcerting. We'll take some of these, take them one. But it says before the pandemic, seventy-five percent of Americans reported uh, attending church at least once per year. 
in the spring of 2022, only 67% said they had ever, uh, gone, uh, gone to church. So just in that period, okay, you lost 8% of people even going to church. And, and that's 2022. That's so. 2022. Now, there's some, there's some numbers on here that I think are, are pretty crazy. But the other thing I want to talk about here in a minute, so you can kind of be thinking about this. So if there's anything, just feel free to interject. But I want to talk about some of the different generations. And I think that's a big part of kind of the conversation tonight, too, is how do you get here? We're going to go through the scripture. We'll break some of the scripture down. Then I want to talk about the different generations. So I'm a Gen X. I think you, you still are, too, right? You're right on the bubble. Right on the bubble. Uh, right, okay. Um, so, but then there's the millennials, and now there's the Gen Z. Okay, and so the millennials, you know, they're the largest generation uh, in American history, even greater than the big, uh, baby boomers by a big, big margin. Uh, but this Gen Z, this Gen Z population is the, well, even the millennials, they're one of the first to actually grow up with, with the Internet all there. But now the Gen Z, they 100%, I mean, from a very early age, are introduced and addicted to and live on technology. Have you heard what the most recent t- statistic is for the average person, child, uh, the first time they see pornography? No. The average is now nine years old. Nine. I'll share some stories about that oh. in a minute. Okay. So again, it makes it, we'll, we'll get into some of that here and break some of this down. But I just, I, just for those of y'all who are listening to this right now and you think, you know, I don't want to listen to this bad news. Please don't turn it off. Listen, because there's, this whole thing ends with good news. And, and if you don't know how to fight, you have to realize, and so in my, my life group, I've been teaching about <clears throat> the, the battlefield that we're in. You, every one of us, whether you believe it or not, we're, in the middle of a battle. You are on the battlefield of a spiritual war. And it, you better understand the layout of that land. If you don't know what your enemy is or what your enemy's doing, you're just going to sit there and get pummeled. Well, absolutely. So where do you where do you start with that? I mean, and pe- when you said um, you're in a battle and you don't know it, I think that's a point to drive home. People might not feel like that they're in a battle, but you need to take a step oh, back. Yeah. You are in a battle for eternity. You you're are not in a small battle. You're in a the battle. most important battle that's ever existed. A- absolutely, that is the. We are the first um, created beings given free will, right? We can choose whether we serve God or not, and apparently Satan, Lucifer, had the same choices in heaven when he was living in God's presence and had seen him in his glory. Well, he had free will. The, the angels have free will. And he cho- the, uh, clearly, they have free will, and they, they made the decision, a uh, third of them, to fall away. Now, I want to go through some more of these stats, but I, I said we are in a battlefield, and, and I don't want you to be discouraged. Listen to this whole podcast because the majority of this podcast, as we get into it, I'm going to talk about some stuff that's stupid even, okay? But you need to know what's going on. Um, and then... We're going to talk about what do we do about it. But I'm going to read some more of these statistics because you need to be equipped. Just like my dad and, and, and has always said, you know, uh, and I'm sure you've heard this too, but knowledge is power. The more knowledge you have, the better that you can evaluate and analyze and make quality decisions in life. And this is not just about the battlefield here, but that's in business, right? That's in anything that you do. Equip yourself. Be knowledgeable about these things. Some more statistics. In 2019, 4,500 Protestant churches closed. That number alone I thought was crazy, but that's in 2019, compared to 3,000 new churches opening. 
that's a net loss. This is so this is before COVID. And that's a net loss in 2019 of 1,500 American churches. In 2017, LifeWay survey of young people uh, found that 7 out of 10 who had attended church regularly in high school stopped attending during their college years. I want to stop on this and talk for just a minute about colleges. I am absolutely pro-education. I'm the most pro-education person you're ever going to find. I know you are too. Uh, You have to have knowledge. Knowledge is power in whatever way, shape, and form. Now, there are different ways to get knowledge. That's exactly right. I think you're probably fixing to go where I was going to go. So I I do have a college degree. Um, I went begrudgingly, okay? <laughs> I was kind of forced to. I mean, I'm, I, I should have graduated a year earlier than I did because I basically goofed off a whole year playing golf. But, you know, I, I but here's, here's I actually have a number of professors um, that I've had conversations with um, that I highly respect. Every single one that I ask, every single one. If I ask them, because I have an 18-year-old and she's making decisions, what's she going to do? Is she going to go to college? Is she going to make these other things? And 100% of them have said the worst place you can send your kid, especially if they're not 100% grounded in, in their identity and in Christ, is a college campus. They said it is horrible. If you, if you look at the statistics, I guarantee you the more liberal, atheistic points of view are being taught at the university, probably more than any other level that you could you could tell me the most people are being affected in an ungodly way at the universities. Well, I have one, uh, one person, one professor that we've been praying over, uh, this particular lady, she is, um, uh, just a, an amazing young woman has a heart for Jesus, loves Israel, uh, professor at a university and the, the on the other staff who some of them even claim to be Christian, uh, did everything he could to persecute her, hate her guts, persecuted her, got to the point where now uh, it's an illegal, it's being escalated all the way up to, you know, the, I'll just go ahead and say to the Texas A&M level, and it's going to play out in courts. And and she didn't choose to do this. She It was just something like, but she's fighting for her own right to say, I am a Christian and not be persecuted on the college campus for this. And this is a, a school that's in the Bible Belt, Okay. So that's my point, is that one thing, whether you're a history major, whether you are a ag culture major, if, whether you're this or that biology major, whatever you may be, and of course, the more you get into the sciences, uh, the worse it'll be, but they all have one common thread, and that is we're also going to speak against God and religion, and we're going to talk about all the LGBT, hedonism, do what makes you feel good in your own truth, and we're going to talk about that at your own truth here in a second. Um couple of things here. A quarter of the young adults who dropped out of church have said they disagree with their church's stance on political and social issues. We are going to talk about a book. In fact, now is a good time to talk about it. I'm going to, I want to give you all some resources. You know, I have people ask me all the time, well, what are you reading? Uh, <clears throat> who are you listening to? And, and I want to start doing a better job of sharing some of those things. So these are some relatively new books. I haven't actually gotten all the way through them yet. Um, but there is a, a crisis uh, in our culture, and that has to do with the, the way that people perceive justice and tolerance, you know, uh, and, and especially in this younger generation. It began, remember political correctness? Is that even a thing anymore? I think people are very much so trying to use political correctness to – when you say political correctness, what you mean is – don't 
quote the Bible. Or anything else that might offend somebody, right? Okay. But when, it, when that first term first came out, it was, uh, to me, it, it was, I mean, it was smaller stuff. But then it kept growing and growing and growing. I mean, there's some movies that they made 10 years ago. You could make them now. Uh, there, the woman, um, The Help, okay, is about in the South. And it's, a, it's also a book. And it was a great, I don't want to ever see it again. It was good enough to see it one time. But um, the lady that was one of the, the I, I wish I could remember her name. But she was interviewed not too long ago. Says, "Y'all think y'all can make that movie now?" And she said, "No, there's no way. They wouldn't let you make that movie now." And and so my point is, so we're taking these young people. I I can't tell you how many people I see. Kid grows up in the in the home in the church, uh, good parents, good family. They go off to college and they lose their brains. So it's interesting. So this book I want to share with you, uh, this first one, the beauty of intolerance. I know it sounds contradictory, right? But what basically this is is this is saying. Okay, for example, I'll just read some of the chapters here. Um, chapter four, uh, chapter three, um, it says the irony and tolerance in the name of tolerance. Think about that. I mean, they say they want tolerance, but they won't tolerate anybody saying, I love Jesus. The Smithsonian, did you see that recently? No. These kids went to the Smithsonian, and they were wearing I love Jesus hats or T-shirts. I don't remember if it's hats or T-shirts. You don't have to email me and tell me I got the apparel wrong, but whatever the apparel was, uh, and they, the, the Smithsonian, a public institution paid for by the taxpayers of this country, okay, kicked them out. I did hear, I did hear they did kick them out. Like, they, how they is did. that, how is that legal? But how is that even possible? Like, what is going through the staff's mind to say, hey, you cannot have that shirt on that hat that's intolerant so if you're going to say that we need to be tolerant you're only tolerant and this is actually a marxist idea uh, i don't want to get into it today but i'm going to be doing some podcasts about um how we even get here what is marxism uh, how it, it kind of ties back into the architecture of the end times it's kind of in that series but this is a part of the playbook this everything that we're doing in fact jeremiah he was the first person think about the prophet jeremiah they canceled him he would what, what he everything he said they would do everything they could they could to cancel him and all the way to throwing him in jail okay who was the one person that Nebuchadnezzar know said all right we'll let that dude out he got justice in the end but he didn't want it at that point everything was gone nobody would listen he was speaking truth and they all they could do I mean he, he everybody canceled him same tactic and I think that is a the use of the enemy to Twist truth slightly. If you can take, and, and man, what is the number one commandment as a Christian? Lo love, right? Oh, yeah. Love, love yourself. Your yeah, God, love, love your neighbor. Yeah. Love your neighbor. And you can take that as the number one thing to say tolerance mm -hmm. is the way that they've twisted it slightly. And now you're not loving if you don't tolerate or if you don't. And really, they're not saying tolerate. What they're saying is condone any type of activity or lifestyle that they want to do. Well, so look, that's a great point. So actually there's a chapter on here. So recently one of the, the phrase I hate more than any other phrase right now is it's not my truth, not my truth. Well, let me tell you something. If it's not your truth, you know, then it's your lie. Your my truth. I mean, my truth means it's your lie. That's what it means. And there, there is, let me, I'm going to go ahead and this might hurt some people's feelings and maybe you're listening, but there is only one truth. His name is Jesus Christ. If it does not line up with the Bible, if it does not line up with the Word of God, it is not truth. It's an absolute truth. It's it's not for you, me. It's true all over the world. For every person. Every person. 
in, under creation. And when you really start there, you can build a foundation and you can build a life. If you can't start, that's the ground zero. That is absolutely ground zero. So think of this. Uh, and that's what everybody wants to say, though, is that uh, it's not my truth. Well, you know, your truth means that you're want, you want to push God away, push anything away that makes you, quote, unquote, feel bad. All right. And we're going to talk about that. So look, we're, let's go ahead here in a second. And let's look at the scripture. Very next thing we're going to do is look at First Timothy 4. So if you have your Bibles and you want to look at it and highlight each of these sections we're going to go through. Um, but the, the thing is, is that, uh, what is it, in John 8, 44. In John 8, 44, I think that's where uh, it says that you know, Satan is the father of lies. He can't do anything but lie. Okay. Well, otherwise he would lead you to Jesus. <laughs> it has to be a lie that's a good, to get that's you off track. Of God, and and I want to I want to talk about that real fast. Sure, on the Bible. Let's do it. Let I think that's the. If you say you're a Christian, how are you basing it? But when I'm talking to you, I'm not just talking to a Christian. I'm going to take a step back and just say, any human being alive right now, how do you debate what is right and wrong? So the number one thing. So if you if you've listened to this podcast. Uh, I can't remember what episode it was, but is I did it with Marty Rowley. He and I stood in this very room, and we uh, did one on, is the entire Bible true? Okay, one of the biggest problems that the world uses, and, and, and it's a lie. If you don't believe that the entire word, uh, Bible is the infallible, inerrant, inspired word of God, then your theology is, 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 is messed up. Well, and, and take that for a second and, and extrapolate on this part. If God's promise in the Bible says that he wrote all things from the beginning to the end before one came to be, and he wrote your says life In the out. beginning was it John 1, 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So now you have 8 billion people alive right now, and he's telling you he wrote all of this out, and he knows the end already. Yes. If he can't write one book and get it to you, then there's no way you're ever going to believe any of the other promises of God. Well, let me tell you what's... So the one thing about the Bible, I will tell you that's important. And if you struggle in this area, I want to go ahead and tell you that pursue... Pers if you feel like the Bible's not true, pursue everything you can to disprove it, and you'll prove it. And Jeremiah says that if you seek after God with your whole heart, you'll find him. Here's, here's the thing about the Bible. Also, most Bibles, like take uh, the, the, the Book of Mormon, Okay. When you go to any, I've been doing some research on, on Mormonism, but if you go to a service, a lot of it will feel normal, like things that will do worship, you know, and the sermon might be moral. But almost every service, the very end, what they do is they say, and the most important thing is we must defend the Book of Mormon. And the reason they have to do that is because there's nothing external. Okay, they talk about going and being with the Indians and speaking to the Indians and preaching to the Indians. Do you know there's not a single piece of evidence that exists for any of that? Not a single one. Think about the Bible, though. You look for external content that corroborates the Bible. Think about all archaeological evidence, okay, that stands and exists and proves battles, kings, you know, uh, civilizations, and so forth. It's most sold, most debated um, book in the entire world. They had to take it off the bestsellers list because no other book would even— Come close. Come close. They wouldn't even make bestseller without taking it off the bestseller list. Not, not only that, but it's been talked about through all of human history. We're not talking about the exact. So the, here's my problem lately when you start talking to people. Because 
people that aren't educated on the Bible, they've never looked into what lies they're being told that yeah. they easily believe. So here recently, I, I've been hearing this lie. Well, not all the Bible is true. And man, they've they've changed it so many times over the years. What you're reading isn't even the same thing. That's actually the argument of the Mormons. And do you know why they say that? Because they changed it. Well, they did change it. But that's actually, so they think the Bible is corrupted. So that is a Mormon, that's actually a Mormon argument. And it was redeemed by the Book of Mormon. That's what they say. Well, here's actually archaeological history proves or disproves their point. So what they said is that the Bible, it was like the telephone game. Remember the telephone game? Though you tell one person, tell another person, tell another person, and it got watered down and changed every time. And they said, so that corrupted the Bible. Well, actually, archaeology has proven over the time that's actually not what happened at all. There were so many copies of the text created by scribes all at once. Uh, go, if you don't, go, go look at all the uh, Masoretic texts, the Dead Sea Scrolls, all of these things that have been found that corroborate it. And, and, I mean, like, it did not change one iota. Uh, you look at different, say, well, this translation, that translation. Okay, no. I mean, it, it, we don't even need to get into all the translations. If, when you start looking at the translations, because that's where everybody wants to make an argument. But if you can line it, you can go line it up yourself right now in Greek and Hebrew to the original texts. And, and it's, it proves true. And then you line it up with all the archaeological texts. And, and all of the people that recorded it outside of the Bible. It is recorded. Josephus. You know, and all these other people, in, yeah. In many places. But the, the big discovery was the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. Where in Hebrew, it translated the entire book, I think, of Isaiah. And there was, mo it was every Old Testament book, parts of it were found in these Dead Sea Scrolls. They were. When they measured it between what it is today and what they found, there was three places it could have been a different word, and and one of them was just marred out. Yeah, because like, yeah, yeah, the text. Yeah, you couldn't you, you couldn't, couldn't prove decipher. it. Yeah, no. And then there was like an or and a but that was the only difference in the entire book. And so now we're saying, if you step back and say that God's writing a book for fifteen billion people, there's been seven and a half billion people that have lived and died, and there's seven and a half to eight billion people alive right now. Imagine the amount of detail that God had to go through to accomplish the promise that it, the statement that He made that He wrote all that out before it happened. Well, not only that, think of this. So the other night, we're, have you seen the, the Chosen season three yet? I have not watched it's, it. Dude, it's it's really good. I'm loving it, you know. And I don't want to hear it. People complain, so, well, it doesn't line up 100% with text. In the Bible, so much of it, man, they're going to have to interpret conversations and things happen. But it, it is it is absolutely true to the heart of the Scripture, okay? But anyway, so the other day, I spurred some conversation, you know, with the kids about this, this very thing, you know. And, and, and what it had to do is whenever Jesus was into the temple and he was reading from Isaiah— Whenever he's, if he, you know, the, I, a man cannot be a prophet in his own hometown, that whole thing. Okay, so he, he did. He stood right there. He spoke Isaiah, says, I am that man in which they speak. But what's crazy is that everything that was happening, okay, Jesus, in the scripture that he read, was written by another prophet 700 years earlier. Wow. Okay, 700 years. When you begin to look at the magnitude, okay, in, this, in the scripture written by you know, so many different authors. There's 66 books, depending on which one. I mean, okay. And then, you know, you're looking at 40, 45 authors, okay, and over roughly 1,500 years, okay? And these people never knew each other. So a lot of the texts, they, they, they may not have even known, 
okay? And, and yet, now they all knew the Torah, the Pentateuch, and things like that because they grew up speaking and hearing of these things. But it's, it's just, it's incredible. It's, it's statistically impossible. But on that point, let's talk about some scripture. Okay. Well, well, go. No, go ahead. Tell me what you, you well, have a thought so, there. Finish it. Well, so I wanted to encourage people that uh, one of the things, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already digging for the truth. I love the name of it because what you're trying to find is the absolute truth. And so we're encouraging you. I, I believe it's in the Bible. Okay. We, we can document that all of that. But like he said, go, go get a hunger because you cannot make one decision in your life. If you don't understand what you believe is right and what you believe is wrong and why you're and how you're going to live your life, you need a purpose. Every human being was made to live with a purpose and for a purpose. And that only brings you happiness. So even if you don't think you're going to serve Jesus, I'm telling you, you have to find what's right and wrong. And what you'll figure out is there is no right and wrong. Without the Bible. Did you know it's the law? They call it the law for a reason because it explained to human beings what is right and acceptable by the creator and what, and is, what not. is not. And that's the only way any of us know. Well, and, and to that point, you talk about purpose. So I've got to also, if you to know your purpose, you, also, you have to know who you, who you are. You have to know your identity. And you cannot know who you truly are. Until you know Christ. I remember years back, and then we'll get on the first Timothy four. I know. We've been talking about see that's the thing. We start talking and we kinda get but that but that's good. This is all good. And it's actually encouraging. So we're mixing the good news with the bad news. But I remember so I've traveled for business for years and I was out in Vegas one year. It's been a long time ago, and they used to have those uh do you remember so the the last czars, the Romanovs in Russia, they had a, a jeweler named Fabergé. And there was this museum. So I was out there on a trade show, but they had this museum and they had all these uh, artifacts from, you know, Romanovs. And, and, and some of those happened to be these Fabergé eggs. They were incredible. Um, just You can go look them up online. They're amazing. But then you went through this into an art museum and they had Monet's and Picasso's and all this stuff. And I would, and so what was interesting, all these people were standing around them. And you'd hear him like, oh, what do you think that the artist was thinking when he painted that? And I mean, it's just, I mean, it's like, I was like, and they were going back and saying the dumbest stuff, you know? And I was like, you know, you don't know what he was thinking. You don't know, you know, Mona Lisa really was. I mean, everybody wants to put their two cents. Nobody can tell you what that painting really means except the creator of that painting. That's right. You are God's canvas and nobody can tell you who you are except the father. And And so I think there's a deep desire for every person to know that, to know whoever made them, which I'm going to say, God made you. And why would you not want to know the one who made you? And the one who made you probably has the key to your happiness and a good future since they know how you're made, what will make you happy, what makes you tick. Only the father can tell you who you are. So anyway, interesting. All right. So let's talk about the scripture here. So the one that we're really going to get into and kind of break apart first, and, and we're going to talk about a little bit of bad news, but it's, you know, this is really where we're at. I'm going to go ahead and say this. We're going to talk about the apostasy, and that is, in my opinion, in a, it is absolutely, uh, what is that English word? Indubitably happening. All right. But I want to go through this. Let's read uh, 1 Timothy 4. It says, now the spirit expressly says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. 
Let's stop for just a moment. We're going to come back to this scripture, and let's talk about uh, what's gone on for the last two weeks. So this last Sunday was the Super Bowl. The week before that, have you seen this idiot? All right. So, and yes, I know I probably shouldn't call somebody an idiot, but let me tell you something. You do this, you're an idiot. I'm just saying, and we've all done idiotic things in our life, but this guy right here is living a life of idiocy. Um, I forget his name, Sam something or other. Goes some, he calls himself non-binary. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, this non-binary junk. Uh, this is a picture of Satan worship at the Grammys two weeks ago. Have you seen this? I have. Did you see the tweet that went out by CBS that says, get ready to worship right before he went online? No, I didn't see that. They said, let's get ready to worship. They sent this out, uh, and, and, and then, they, then they, they sent out that, that tweet, and then this guy came on. Uh, got so much flat. Of course, the Internet's forever. You can go back and recall it, but they did delete the tweet. What's interesting is that before the podcast, you and I were talking just about how sick Hollywood is. Um, I watched a documentary, a little piece of documentary, Lady Gaga, I grew up in a Catholic church and everything else, but she was the outcast, uh, picked on everything else. She turned quickly on her faith. Um, in the last 13 years, she's gone plumb crazy. Uh, but there are people that are mentoring demonic, satanic cults. Uh, and I almost hate to give any people any, any credence, but you might as well mention some of the stuff you're telling me before the, pod, before the podcast. Well, you know, there's a, a lady out there teaching Satanism and, Mariana Abramovich and spirit cooking and uh, uh, one of the Lady Gaga actually did an experience and and they write and talk all about it and tell you all about what she did to yeah which we're not going to mention it here but yeah well but it's it's that type of things it's like uh, and Jay Z wearing at when LeBron broke the scoring title like why would you wear a shirt that says Black Magic I know you're gonna get on to me go ahead and say it no 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 this is black magic. Yeah, you, no, it is. It, it's, it's a play, but really what you're saying is, and, and this is something I wanted to bring up because when you look at, at that, it's Satan worship, right? Now, all the same people that have a problem with the Bible and the figure of God and Jesus Christ, they have no problem with Satan. Now, where is Satan mentioned? The only place Satan and Lucifer is mentioned is also in the Bible. That's right. It comes from the same. So we're... The things that people it's, are it's, arguing. It's, it's, it is the spiritual battle, but they're choo- it's a side you're choosing to, to go after. And but they're to acting like that they're not listening to the Bible. Did you know he, he was mentioned and talked about first in the Bible? That's how everybody got the idea of Satan? Well, you know, he, he, you're exactly right. Just in case, you could, there's an off-screen joke that kind of happens. So uh, some of the equipment that we have in here. So the two cameras and, and, uh, the, and some of my switchers and stuff like that, there's a company called Black Magic. And I hate the name of it, too. Uh, they're actually one of the top, you know, video, audio producer companies out there. But anyway, that's why I was, I was waiting for him to come and get on me and say, you know, we're, we're worshiping black magic, but we're not. We're not. No, and, and you see businesses nowadays that come out and actively make their name against God. They'll name it something with devil or Satan or specific numbers in a sequence just to um, thumb their nose at God. And you got to think, now, now this is how far the world has come. We're talking about the apostasy of the church, right? Oh, yeah. Did you know 
in 150 years ago, if you said that you were going to do spirit cooking and that you were going to uh, worship Satan and you were going to eat body parts, what they would have done to you? Killed you. They would have killed you, not murder. No, they, they, they would have killed you. They would have killed you because they would wanted to have rid the earth of your evilness. Now, so this has been this way for thousands of years. This is 6,000 years of human history. And only in the last 150 have we gotten to the point to where we will tolerate people saying out loud that they serve Satan and that they want to do evil. Now they want to say that we're intolerant. Well, they actually say that we're evil. That's well. Here, let's go. That's actually another scripture in Timothy. Says in the latter days they will also say that which is evil is good, and that which is good is evil. It's actually. I don't want to get too far ahead, but let's let's, let's kind of recap on this one little section. So when we're talking about this one little section, when we're beginning, it says giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's absolutely. There, it has never been more prevalent on earth than it is right now. Agreed. Oh, totally agree. All right, so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give this next section, and I'm going to get your thoughts first. So speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. What are your first thoughts on that one? uh, Having their own conscience. Like you said, one of the things that's driving me crazy about the generation we're living in is saying it's my truth. Well, that's not true for me. And that's that's the dumbest thing I've ever – I hate that. Don't say that to me. Like, kid, don't say that to me. Let me tell you why. (laughs) Well, I mean – they have to understand that if you extrapolate what they're saying, then they can't tell you anything. Because if two plus two is is not, it's four right here, but if I fly to Asia, then it becomes five, then that's a different truth, right? So then math doesn't work anywhere in the world. Well, that goes with their, uh, was it the core, whatever it was, that common core they tried pushing out? It really was. It's like that stupid. It's, it's, it's so, when you really look at it and break it down, and this is what I want to encourage people to do, and this is the, the spark that ignites the rebuttal to this, this behavior, and that is the passion to please God. And that comes through, through what? What inspires that? Well, you, first, you have, to have a, you, have, you have to pursue God. If you, want, if you want to be, you have to have a flame. You have to flame the heart. So here's the deal. On the con- seared conscience, though, that's what's missing is that you have no conscience. You have decided and gotten to the point. In, uh, in what is it, the, the very first book of Romans, it says, and he, and he gave them over. That's a scary sentence. Gave them over to a depraved mind. And that, there's been, what had happened is that they, and it was just these very same sins, okay, in the Roman the, 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 the Romans were destroyed the exact same way we are now. Modern, uh, say, Family and Civilization. It's a book that was written in the 40s uh, by uh, a man named Zimmerman. He was a, a sociology professor at Harvard. And what they did is they broke down, uh, and he wasn't even a Christian, but he was saying he, there were 38 societies they took and broke down. And you can see an exact pattern of every society and the fall of every one of them. The very last piece of that, the 11th, technically, depending on which, but the last piece always was common acceptance of any form of sexual perversion. The same thing happened in Rome. They did all kinds of horrific things to children. Uh, The sexual, I mean, it was was incredibly immoral. And they, you know, it says that man for man, woman for woman, Sodom and Gomorrah, all that stuff. But what happened is they had a seared conscience. They no longer had a conscience that, that would could be tickled uh, by the Father. And that remember, what does, the what does the Scripture say about Jesus comes and he knocks on the door of your heart? You have to open. Well, it's exactly right. 
He comes and he knocks. But what happens when you continue to turn your back on God and, and go to the world? You keep saying no, and guess what? That voice gets quieter and quieter and quieter. You quit hearing it. Until it's completely gone. My, my uh, great-pa had a saying, and he would tell me, he's like, sin is a lot like a, a disc, and a square disc is spinning round and round. And when you commit that sin the first time, it takes a chink out of it. And that's your conscience working it. Man, it hits that chink. But the more you do the same sin, you keep taking chinks out of it till you have a round plate that's not ever hitting your conscience. And that's what's happening in society today. They're, they're so, um, their mind is so boggled with how many choices and decisions. When you can't boil it down to a book and know right and wrong, now all of a sudden the whole world's telling you what's right and wrong and there's how many different things you can believe or say about yourself and they're running around and they never can hear the, the voice of God yeah, because it's drowned out by a million different things of telling them who they are well, or what they are. You know, the worst thing that ever happened to society are these things right here. Hands down. Social media, online. You know, if, if I could pull the plug uh, on the Internet tomorrow, I would. It, it would because the bad information, that's why that's how it evolved so quickly. Um, you know, you take Sodom and Gomorrah. That was the first, you know, they were very close in proximity. Okay. Well, the reason they transmitted that information so quickly, and, and, and they had this same cancel culture. Somebody who may have wanted to speak, Lot, for example, you know, everything about Lot, he, he was kind of a doofus, okay? He didn't speak up against his wife. And then the first thing they do when they, you know, God saves him, he goes and creates two, you know, nations with his daughters that are going to destroy and fight against the Israelites. But he, he never spoke up, never in any places. Hey, did, and did he stand for the, you know, so they called him a righteous man, but he never, he wasn't out there preaching the word because what were they going to do? Shut him down, cancel him down. Sodom and Gomorrah was that. Now it's just at a global scale. Which is, I don't think has ever happened at a global scale. And you're at a place to where, like you said, the internet, the TV, you can literally see what's going on in the world on a daily basis and but now this is the crazy thing, who is picking what makes it on these devices? Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, that's a whole. I think that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> well, that's when we're saying truth, though, yeah. and when we're talking about legitimate tr truth that is biblical, yeah. Then you have to measure everything that you're viewing and every reason somebody is putting something or writing it or allowing it. You have to measure that to the Bible. Well, and. It's just like I saw this woman who's an immoral woman, but she used to work for MSNBC. And when she was a campaign, she was uh, uh, on staff. Whenever uh, Hillary Clinton was running, she was actually, she, and this, this woman was a liberal and a Democrat and all stuff, but she was saying negative things against Hillary. Okay. Um, and what happened was that in that process, uh, the president of MSNBC, she get in trouble and said, you don't say anything against Hillary unless you get approval from me first. And guess what? I mean, so there's, there's all kinds of narratives. I mean, it's way worse than that. It gets a lot worse than that. But that's, yes, so the truth is not coming out. you got to really dig to find the truth. That is the point. The truth right now, in the, we have more information than ever before in the history of mankind. And truth is harder to find now because there's so much disinformation compared to it. And well, did you see, though, now they have AI that's going to solve that. Bill Gates came out this week and said that AI is going to solve the disinformation problem. Uh, people like me are what they call the disinformation. The Bible is disinformation. Uh, Glenn Beck, he is now officially on a number of disinformation lists. And I, and, and these are people, that, these are, these are all things that are trying to just bring shed light. And of course the Bible is truth. 
I'm just trying to shed light. Uh, you know, there, there's those are the places where you have to know where to go now uh, to find them. Which is what they're trying to do is eliminate truth. If if Satan is twisting truth and he's fighting a war against God, and the point is to convince as many people not to serve God, not yeah. to choose Jesus, then he's got to twist it with a lie. That's what we said first thing. So he's using anybody he can and any lie that he can, and he'll tell a million lies. There's only one truth. Well, let's keep going here, and you're absolutely right. Let's keep going. I want to I want to talk about some stuff that's really stupid. Uh, and this next thing, I had, I'm going to go ahead and be picking up in uh, verse 3. It says, forbidding to marry. Think about the, the argument around marriage. And now we live in a society where more children are born out of wedlock than in wedlock. Did you know that? It's crazy. Oh, I believe it. So now we, and not only that, think of this, um, you know, and I don't, I'm not trying to get into the abortion conversation, but, uh, New York state has a negative birth rate in the black community. So in other words, more babies are being murdered, aborted than are actually being born. Okay. This also ties to the marriage epidemic. In fact, I watched an article. There's a, a, a podcast that, that I'm probably not going to watch, but she has some really interesting stuff. It came up several times. It's called uh, uh, Lessons of, from the Pink Book or something like that. It's on YouTube. I, I'll, I'll try to find it and, and uh, put it out there at some point. But what she was doing is she, she's a black woman, and she's pointing to all these. Like, there's like a 1986 documentary that was done by CBS or NBC or somebody and all these different things where it's in the culture of the black women to not want to be married and for the black men to not support their children. Okay. And so this is, this is a cultural thing and it's spread from one side of the country well, to the other. Not only has, is it cultural, it, it's also uh, the laws of the land. And so when you deal with finances and, and money and how divorce has hit so many families and divided the wealth in two, that's also the other primary reason. What would be the reason somebody would get married? Unless well, you serve God unless you and have, believe in marriage, it has no value and, to Well, you. it has no value to you because you're getting everything you want for without any of what you think is the, you know, the risk. So if you're in a, if you get Which is married, a lie, which in and of itself is a, is a lie. And then you're bound under law to split anything if it goes wrong, and people are looking that aren't following God, that the statistics are 60 or 70% of the people are going to get divorced, and you're going to give up half of your wealth, and they don't already serve God. There is zero. There's actually a reason to not get married. Well, you know, what's interesting on that point, we don't have time to get into that right now, but there's another, uh, there's an author out there and she does, she has a, a blog and podca a podcast one out. Her name's Shanti Feldhahn. Uh, Brandy and I've mentioned her name before and she actually had a book about for women only. Uh, it was really impactful, but she actually speaks to the point of marriage. The numbers that are reported are not as high in the divorce as what people say. However, these numbers have been dramatically skewed in a lot of, especially segments and populations and areas of the country to dissuade people from marriage. So anyway, that's, and aside, but it's interesting. All right, let's keep going on the scripture because this is the part I think is stupid that I want to talk about. Uh, and I never really thought about it until recently. It says, And commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it has uh, been received with thanksgiving. Okay. And if it's been sanctified by the word of God in prayer. And I used to I'd read that, and I, that one didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It's like, okay, we're talking about the latter times. I mean, I at first I was thinking, okay, 
you know, Paul speaking to, you know, the sin to eat meat and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's like, that's the only thing I could ever line it up with until now. I really feel like I know what it is. Think about what we're living in and the narrative that's going on that says that cow farts are destroying the planet. That's absolutely a lie. I mean, it's insane. This whole climate change stuff, what does the Bible say? In the very beginning, it says, go and subdue the earth, and that we are to be the stewards. As Christians, we should be the best stewards of this planet of any group and segment and population. You agree with that? Absolutely. Okay. Climate change and the whole narrative around that has nothing to do with it. The World Economic Forum has made a big deal about no more eating meat. In fact, they said on their, uh, out there on the World Economic Forum, it came out before this most recent Davos this year, that by 2030, you will not eat any meat. And if you happen to get to eat meat, it'll be $100 tax per piece or whatever. You know, it's, it's insane. Uh, and so what generally uh, drives supply? Demand. Demand. All right. Well, let me ask you, have you ever had a demand for insects, specifically crickets and mealworms? Does this look appetizing to you? No. All right. Well, so the World Economic Forum has come out and said that, and not only just the World Economic Forum, Bill Gates and all these people that are way smarter than us, right? Uh, we low little surfs here down, you know, I, I don't even think that we are going to be able to pick up the scraps from their table, but uh, they have decided, and they, they've started building these, these plants, these factories uh, in Europe. And you say, oh, this is not real. This can't be a real thing. At least it says, insect-based foods, fuels, fertilizers, and antimicrobials are part of our future, whether you like it or not. They go in here to tell you that you will be eating these pastes and millworms and so forth. Uh, you know, by 2030, it's just going to be part of your standard diet. Uh, can you imagine the allergies that are going to come from this thing? But let's talk about another one here. Here's another article. It says, inside an insect farm, are millworms a sustainable meat alternative? Uh, so this is a French biotech company. Insect. I thought that's a stupid freaking name. <laughs> it's the name of it anyway. Uh, to open 15 millworm factories by 2030. Do you see a coincidence there on the time and the years and so forth? Uh, if you're wondering why a business would even do this at all, it's because they're guaranteed the money. Um, by all of these people, these trillionaires, uh, the Rothschilds are very, very deep in this. Um, but you take Blackstone, BlackRock, all this money that's being funneled into the World Economic Forum. These people are going to make money and they're going to be considered to be, you know, the best ESGers out there because they're making bugs for you to eat. Um, and here's what's interesting in this article. It's winter in the French town of Dole. But inside the factory where I am standing, the temperature is 80 degrees Fahrenheit, and the humid air has a distinctive earthy odor. <laughs> and it goes on. It's just let me tell you something. This is how stupid uh, that things are becoming in regards to the world, and and this ties more into the end time architectures. But that scripture. I mean, do you kind of see where I saw this? Oh, I, I. You know, when you first brought it up to me, it was definitely a point I had never looked at. And then I started remembering. Hey, I'd watched a a food. A network show where it's talking about growing meat like not live animals meat but like they're figuring out how to grow meat in a laboratory and a, i don't know how you could really say that it was meat but they're it's a meat replacement it's synthetic synthetic meat like, yeah so it's the same thing of like they're getting away from it and i think that coincides with like satan cannot control what god made but if he can manipulate it and change it well, they're doing that with uh, mRNA. 
uh, and, you know, some CRISPR and all these other crazy things we're talking about doing. So just, you know, we talk about we are absolutely living in the apostasy. Um, there is crazy stuff going on. Let's, let's just talk about a few more things that we see. Uh, there is an article. In fact, some of you may have seen this a few weeks ago in New York. In New York City, they released this satanic image and hoisted it to the top of the New York courthouse. Uh, paying homage to RGB, uh, Ruth Gator, Bader Ginsburg, uh, because she was such a important advocate for abortion. Um, when you see this, actually, this has a lot of ties to Satanism. Um, the horns, uh, the way they're tied in, and then they're giving it this little elegant braided look. Uh, the tentacles, the, 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 uh, the way that it warps and, and misshapes the human form and, and saying that we're evolving the transhumanist concept. Uh, all of this, it's just, it's absolutely nuts. Uh, you look down here a little further, you can see, here it is, uh, on top of the courthouse, Anyway, you, you say, are we living in a time where there's an apostasy? That right there wouldn't have gone on top of anything 10 years ago. You can't. The, the rate at which the world is declining in being allowing evil, and they're doing it in the name of tolerance. That is, no, that is the thing, point. in the name of love. Like The reason they're able to push these agendas, it's... Tolerate me. And it's not even about love. They don't even hide it anymore. But it's, it's in Second Thessalonians 2... Well, this is this is a good point. I think to jump it in. So I, I have I don't have the whole thing, but grow to your Second Thessalonians two. It's kind of long, uh, but it's important that you understand. So, beginning in um, verse three says, "Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Okay, so hold on a minute. That day is an important thing to have. That's the rapture. We're talking about God taking us off the planet. But it says not until that falling away comes first, and then the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Um, so what basically, when you're looking at timelines here, not trying to get into eschatology so much on this particular podcast, but this is one great scripture to use in regards to a pre-tribulation theory, not theory, uh, theology rather, which I guess in this case would, there, doesn't really matter. The rapture is going to happen, but I am absolutely a pre-trib guy. Um, anyway, so it says, but we are what's holding back. So who opposes you know, verse four, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and that is worshiped. And so that he sits uh, as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. All right. Before that, they'll go back up there. It says, we are what is holding back the Antichrist. We are what's holding back everything. And if we're holding it back, that means we can take ground. Remember, we started off this podcast talking about how we are in a battle. Okay. We're on a battlefield. Yeah. So you have two things that you can do on a battlefield. You can recede ground or you can take ground. And I don't know about you, but I'll tell you what. I know, I, know, I know way too many Christians that are giving up ground to the enemy. And all they have to do, there's a great book. In fact, uh, I had read it, but you reminded me of it at lunch one time, The, uh, the, the Final Vision. Um, you know, there was Rick Joyner. Yes. Okay. And he gave a great example of these, these Christians that are in armor and have all this. You could see that they could take the enemy around them, but they think they're listening to God, but they're actually listening to Satan. What does angel, what does Satan do? He comes as an angel of light, right? Masquerades. Masquerades as an angel of light. And so this is one of those things where I know too many Christians giving up all this ground, all their authority, and it's time right now to take back to open up our eyes, just like, you know, Paul, whenever, you know, he was on the road to Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. 
said his eyes were covered like scales. And so whenever Ananias prayed over him, two things happened. There was a physical manifestation, but a spiritual manifestation. It says something like scales fell from his eyes. Uh, yep. His eyes were opened. And that is my prayer for everybody here. Because you know what? Revival is breaking out all across this country. Have you heard this? Oh, I have. Oh, my gosh. So now we're going to get into the... I mean, this, actually, this has been a pretty positive podcast. We talked about some stupid stuff. But let me tell you something. Revival is breaking out. And I want to show you exactly where... Uh, this is going on. So in uh, Asbury, it's a college campus in Kentucky. Um, and this is actually spread to, I don't know, 20 plus other campuses and people are coming in. So it talks about people just coming and wanting an impartation of what's going on here. But people are just, and I didn't know this uh, until I researched this today. Um, did you know that Asbury is actually historic, historically been a place of revival all the way back to 1905? I didn't know that. In fact, in 1970, there was one so big, it went all over the world. Broke out right here in uh, Asbury, 1970. Here it is again. So what does revival look like? What is revival? It's a coming back to Christ. And, and it's happening, instead of it being a single person that's, you know, through charismatic movements and all this stuff, what it is, it's God showing up and taking, you know, everybody right there in that, in that environment, in that room, in that sanctuary, to their knees and opening their eyes, removing the scales and, and having a true, powerful, loving encounter with God like they'd never experienced before. That's what revival is. Getting to the heart. God getting to people's heart. And it's happening, people. So you, you know, Jesus said that, uh, that you later would do greater things in his name. Brandy said that to the kids last night. Yeah. Like greater things than Jesus did. I mean, it's he crazy was to think, walking yeah. walking around healing the blind, the lame, the deaf, raising the dead. Yeah. We he, said this to the kids just last he night. He was healing people of lifelong miracles, leprosy. He was doing so many miracles. And, you know, so back to the scripture where you were talking about there's a falling away. I believe that there, and this is my personal opinion based on the Bible and Jesus's words, I believe that there will be a massive pouring out of the Holy Spirit where many people's eyes will be opened. Oh, they are. Before this great falling away and before he raptures us and takes the Holy Spirit out of the world that's restraining that's the right. evil. Right? That's right. And so what we're saying is, Let's look for the revival, the Holy oh, Spirit man, being poured out, where miracles are commonplace among believers. When you say the name of Jesus, now you got to think, it's a nuclear weapon in the spirit world. Yes, you can't see it, but when we say you're living on a battleground, yeah. that means your weapons, what are they? They're your well, words. They, they're your words. Ephesians, well, not only that, Ephesians chapter 6, go every day, says put on the full armor of God and to equip yourself for the battle that you're in, you know? The word, the reading of the word. If you want to be powerful and you want to have that sword to strike the enemy, read your Bible every single day. Get into the word. You know, that's my favorite part of every day. I cannot wait to wake up. I get excited to read my Bible, to study the word of God. And the older I get, the more I want to study the word of God. I just, I love it. I love my Bible. I pick up my Bible and that's why I still, I don't, I have it on my phone, but I like to still hold my Bible and to flip the pages and to smell the pages and to highlight the pages and to write in the pages. That's me. Preparing for battle. Because nothing else can speak to your heart and speak to your life like God and his promises. And they're written down for you to absorb and give you the passion for the day. It says, hey, for the day, 
You're just trying to get through the day. You don't yeah. have to worry about tomorrow. Well, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow for today has enough concerns of its own. And so you're literally yeah. trying to receive the word and make the best, most difference you can in the day. And so when we start seeing revival, and this this could be the start of another worldwide revival. I'm and, another Jesus revolution, baby. So when I heard about it, I started reading, and, and they didn't do any, from what I had read, they didn't start thinking that they were no, going to keep playing. They not at just, all. Yeah, no. I mean, it's just Holy Spirit showed up and and began to just work, and, and miracles began to happen. And I want to go ahead and say this right now. There's people listening, like, you know what? Uh, you know, I don't know about all this healing stuff and really hearing God's voice. And all. So let me tell you something that's true. I've heard God's voice. I've seen healings. Um, the scripture, and they say, well, it's not biblical. That's just the Old Testament times. No, it wasn't. Jesus was the New Testament, okay? Secondly, there's no expiration on Holy Spirit. There's no expiration on miracles. I've spoken to this before. And you have got to realize that this comes down to your faith. What is it? Hebrews 11, 1, being faith. What is faith? Being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. To know that you trust in the sovereign creator of the universe so much that Jesus, the Son of God, who died on the cross for your sins, that when you go and fall on your knees before him, that he hears your voice and he wants to heal you. He wants to lift you up out of the miry clay. He wants to heal your relationships. He wants to redeem your finances. He wants to, to, to see your children that are struggling with mental health issues or whatever else be cleared and for the scales to fall from their eyes. He wants peace in every area of your life. And let me tell you something, these phones and the internet and all this stuff that is invading our life every single day, it's even harder for our kids. And if you want to take back that enemy, take back that ground that you've seen close in on them, you are the gatekeepers of your home. You are the umbrella and the authority over your family. Men, I mean, we're going to speak to men right now. Absolutely. It is time for us to quit being complacent. Quit watching stuff that you know you shouldn't be watching. Quit going places that you shouldn't be going. Focus on your family. First, first and foremost, give it to God. 100%. Trust Jesus. Then, you know, every, our priorities get all screwed up. If you put God first in the priority of your life, you're going to see miracles happen in your life, in every area, in your marriage, in your business, in your you know, jobs and careers and in your finances. It is, this is what revival sparks. It brings health back to every area of your life. Well, and that's, you know how you know that? Because you're in the word of God. And that's what I want to encourage people is, man, when you read Revelation chapter 21 and he starts talking about no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sadness. Think of how many problems those three things cause. Yeah. Like, you're going to see God face to face. He has a white stone that is just your name on it. And you're so valuable to the kingdom of God that no one can take your place. It's your name and only you and God know it. And you have that value. Jesus said, hey, I've got a mansion for every one of you. Uh, and then he yeah. paused. The same Jesus who said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Paused. Because he knew people would doubt this later, and he said, "If this were not so, I would not. Yeah, I wouldn't tell you. I wouldn't tell you. Yeah. So, so when you when you talk about these promises of God that inspire you to serve God, that leads to revival. But where does it start? You have to know the truth. Now and you have to want to know the truth. And, and 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 this is what I'm hoping and praying for is that that people will have these spiritual eyes." 
fall off of them without knowing the word of God. Because I've heard of many people that are just, their heart is open and God is knocking and then he does something in their life and they didn't need to know the Bible to get saved. No, actually that, that's happening around the world. Um, and there's, a, there, I mean, everywhere. It's happening inside of Muslim nations. You think that uh, they can, North Korea, uh, there's some people, there's, there's so much I want to talk about. We're running out of time. But in North Korea, I mean, God is infiltrating the people's heart and, and beginning to, to reveal himself through dreams and visions. I mean, there's so much going on. But here's the, here's the one thing I want to, there's one more book I want to mention, okay? If you're dealing with somebody who says, you know what, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go party in hell with my friends and, and all this kind of stuff. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, it ain't good. There's actually a book you can read. It actually has a lot of good endorsements. Eric, Eric Metaxas, uh, Mike Huckabee. I've started reading this, and it's really good. I want to read just one little piece here. Because you think you're going to hang out with your buddies and all this kind of stuff in hell, but that's not the way it works. It says, souls in hell are filled with contempt, not only for God, but for the demons, for the angels, for the blessed in heaven, and for the other souls in hell. There is no friendship or camaraderie among the damned souls in hell because there is no trace of love left in any of them. Love is what makes friendship and camaraderie even possible. Even between, great, even between the great sinners on earth, but in hell, no such bond exists. There is only inexpressible resentment, rage, bile, and bitterness, all of which manifests a continual cursing of God. This is one of the things that the scriptures mean when it speaks of the souls in hell and the gnashing of teeth. Hell's a real place. And so if you're talking to somebody who says, you know, hey, all that heaven stuff, revival stuff, whatever else, but you need to make them understand that hell is a real place. And it's bad. And this is a great way. It's a, it's a very good book. It's hell. It's called A Guide. Anthony De Stefano. Um, he's written a number of other books. Author of uh, Inside the Atheist Mind. I have not read it. Have heard about it. And I've actually heard that it's pretty good. But this is about apologetics. So you want to spark revival? Part of that is knowing how to defend the word of God, present the word of God. And sometimes people who have a really hard heart make them understand, all right, well, let's take the other approach. Let me tell you how bad hell is. So. And, and that is the knowing the truth. Like we were talking about universities and the reason why so many young people are getting influenced in a negative light is they don't know how to defend their own faith. It says, have an answer for someone who questions your faith. You need to know the... the uh, Be ready in season and out of season to make a defense of your faith. So now you're looking at it and saying, you know, you need to know both sides. Not only is heaven going to be fantastic. It is going to be fantastic. Hell is the worst thing imaginable. You're separated from God's presence and his love for you. Well, part of that book, actually one of the other chapters, says that, that they realize what they missed out and then they hate God and blame God even more for that. That's just, that's what it, so my point is, is that, listen, God is here. There is time. He is moving. And he wants to move in your life. He wants to move in my life. He's moving in our church. He's moving right here in Amarillo, Texas. He is moving across this nation. And I am praying for revival to break out in your life and in my life. Amen. Listen, I thank you all for joining us. Um, I know that we it's kind of a long podcast today, but when we get to talking, you know how it goes. Um, but thank you all for, for listening. Please tell your friends, if, if this has impacted you in any way, share this podcast. We're not here for prideful reasons. We're just trying to share the word of God, share truth, share love, and to encourage. We are the body. We may not all go to the same church, and that's great, but we are all, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. Thank you all for joining us. Can't wait to see you on the next one.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.